That was awesome worship. I just thought about Revelation 5, I think. And just bear with me for a minute. You know, it's like a description of heaven and the throne and all the creatures there worshiping the Lord. And yesterday we were watching the Lord of the Rings. You know, and and I think that when we, we... I wish we could actually see in the spirit all the all creation coming to worship the Lord, and it, it, I, I, if, I can only imagine that it would be kind of like the Lord of the Rings, and all the different kinds of people and cre- creatures coming together. You know, it's interesting the war. Out of nowhere, people come, and you know, and then the trees come and help in the war. And then the birds and the eagles and all of that. And I think that our minds are so limited. Because we think so small out of what we can understand and what we can see. And, and maybe you know this already. And I think I knew it, but I had to stop this week and, and read and, and study a little bit about the church. Because I think that a lot of things get lost in translation. Right? Coming from Brazil, speaking Portuguese, and, and having to translate from English to Portuguese and from Portuguese to English. A lot of times, a lot of things get lost in the translation because it doesn't make sense. And especially. If you have a bias, right? You have, you want to convey your interpretation. And I think that a lot of the things that we know today, we know out of things that got lost in translation. For example, we always, always believed that all the New Testament was written in Greek. Right? That's what we were told. But recently, they are discovering copies of the Gospels in Hebrew. And it is going to change the way that the New Testament is translated. For instance, this passage in Matthew 23, it says... Then Jesus spoke to the crowds and to the disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. Therefore, all that they tell you, do and observe. But do not do according to their deeds, for they say things and do not do them. And then in the Hebrew it says, Then Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. Therefore, everything that he tells you, Moses, you do and observe. Right? It it makes a big difference. 
Because Jesus is not saying everything that the Pharisees are telling you, do and, and observe. It's like everything that Moses told you. Way different. Right? And we know in Matthew 15, 1 to 3, he goes on the same thing with the Pharisees. Then some of the Pharisees and the scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? And then Jesus answered, Why do you yourselves transgress the commandments of God for the sake of your tradition? You made up things in the name of the oral law so that you could do what you wanted, right? So anyway, my thing started this week about the church. You know, and we always think about the church starting in Acts 2, right? Who would agree with me? The church started in Acts 2. It was the inauguration. Peter stood up, and that's when the church started. And we know that in the Greek, in the New Testament, the word for church is ecclesia. Then I went and said, okay, how come we never see the word church in the Old Testament, right? Is there any verse in the Old Testament that has the word church? No. But 300, around 300 years before Christ came, under the Greek Empire, the emperor requested 72 scholars, Hebrew scholars, to translate the Old Testament into Greek. Right? Because the, the Greek was the language of the empire. And when they translated the word, the, the Old Testament into Greek, why am I doing this? Just because I want us to change the ways that we think. Because I think if at the end of this, it, it will make a difference for you. So just be patient. I'm not going to talk too long. I promise. When they translated the Old Testament into Greek, they used the word ecclesia. So you do have the word ecclesia, church, in the Old Testament, Translated into Greek. And when it, this word ecclesia is used in the Old Testament, it's translated as gathering, assembly, what else? Uh, assembly of the citizens, uh, convocation, congregation. And it is used almost a hundred times in the Old Testament. So when you think about the church, don't think about the New Testament only. But think about what God was doing with his people in the Old Testament. For instance, when it says, uh, here, let me find a good one. 1 Kings 8. 14 to 16. Then the king faced about and blessed all the assembly of Israel. He's saying all the ecclesia of Israel. While all the assembly of Israel was standing. 
Psalms 89.5 The heavens will praise your wonders, O Lord. Your faithfulness also in the assembly of the holy ones. The ecclesia. The church. So when we think about the church age, or my church, or that church, we are almost like excluding ourselves of what God is doing. And what God is doing, He's making a convocation. He's, he wants to assemble. He wants to gather His people. And when we come here this morning, we are part of God's assembly. We are a little part. You know, and when, you know, my church fell apart. No, no, God's church never fell apart. He's still working with his church. He's still working since he started with Israel, the assembly, the gathering. One more. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song and his praise in the congregation of the godly ones. In the ecclesia of the godly ones. Joel, that was one Psalms one forty nine verse one, Joel chapter two verse sixteen. Gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and the nursing infants. First Samuel nineteen twenty. We know this story so well of Saul going. To kill David, right? And it says, Then Saul sent messengers to take David. But when they saw the company of the prophets, it's the ecclesia of the prophets. The company of the prophets was the ecclesia. Prophesying with Samuel, standing and presiding over them, the Spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. When we get things lost in translation, we tend to think small. And when we think about church, the way that we, I was raised in church, thinking, oh, this is my church, this is when the church started, we are in the church age, we think the last 2,000 years. And we forget that God has been doing a a work from before the foundation of the world. And he is opening the door for us to be included, to be grafted in, and to be a part of it. And to me, that's why we, we come and worship. That's why, to me, the Lord is taking us. You know, it says, Behold, I will do something new in the earth. Will you be aware of it? And I think that we are looking for a, a new and fresh awareness. And, and the awareness is way bigger than we, I thought. It's way bigger than we, we have been taught. And we are in this process. Let me see if I can find another good one. Joshua. 8.35 There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded which Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel. 
Deuteronomy 9.10, The Lord gave me two tablets of stone written by the finger of God, and on them were all the words which the Lord had spoken with you at the mountain from the midst of the fire on the day of the assembly. Does that change a little bit when we think about the church now? You know, because the church is not this little thing that man came up with. That kind of got separated from Israel and the Jewish roots. And, and, you know, and we talked about that last Sunday, about the replacement theology. What's the danger of replacement theology? You always think that you're the, the only thing that God is doing. You think that your church is better than your church. My church is better than your church. And it, it just promotes division. But when we think about the ecclesia and what God is doing, it's all-inclusive. It doesn't exclude Israel. It doesn't exclude any denomination. It doesn't exclude anybody. It's just like I was describing the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Different peoples coming. And all gathering. And the Lord doing a way bigger thing in, right before our eyes. Isaiah 50, 58, 12 and 13. Those from among you will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will raise up the age-old foundations. And you will be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets in which to dwell. If because of the Sabbath you turn, away, you turn your foot from doing your own pleasure... Isaiah 61, 4. Then they will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will raise up the former devastations. And they will repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. When I went to Israel, it was so real to me. You know, one guy was talking to us. And he was describing this place where we were standing. He said, when I was a kid and I came to Israel, I moved, did Aliyah. This place that we were standing was covered with rubble for like maybe 20 feet up. And they started digging, digging, and digging. And then they found this sidewalk that would go around the Temple Mount. But for 2,000 years, that sidewalk was buried. The ways that the disciples walked, or Christ walked, or, you know, the the, during the Second Temple, after all the wars and destructions and everything, rubble got accumulated, and you could not even know what was underneath. And I think that we are in a place right now that the Lord is opening the door for us to... Dig up the rubble, the rubbish of the last 2,000 years. Daniel 12, 3 and 4. Those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven. 
and those who lead the many to righteousness, like the stars forever and ever. But as for you, Daniel, conceal these words and seal up the book until the end of time. Many will go back and forth, and knowledge will increase. It's time for this knowledge to increase. It's time for us to come and, you know, anyone lacks wisdom, ask. And the Lord will open the book for us. The Lord is opening the book for us. I was watching this video and this guy was talking about finding out that throughout this last 2,000 years that there has been communities that kept copies of the Gospels in Hebrew. And they were persecuted because of who they represented. But even despite the, the risk of being killed, they kept making copies and preserving those. And now that's going to be made available. And it's probably going to change the way that we, we read the New Testament in so many different areas. And to me, that is exciting. Yes. To me, that is exciting because you're going to go like, oh my God. There were, there were things that were taken from us. Just like for centuries, the Bible was taken from the people. The masses were done in Latin and nobody knew Latin. But it's almost like the Lord is opening the book back to us. And the revelation will come and the revelation will increase. And that to me is exciting. And that to me is like, it's going to go like, oh my God, this is... When I, I read assembly or company in the Old Testament, I know what he's talking about. You know, it's the same word that was used in the New Testament to relate to the church. And it's something that God started way back and he's going to continue to assemble his people and gather his people. Just like he promised to Israel, I'm going to gather you from all the nations. But now it's not going to just be limited to Israel, but it's all of his people from all the nations are going to be gathered to worship him, to come and before him and with all the diversity, but in oneness. Not, this is my church, that's your church. No, that's, this is his church. He's putting his church together. And Lord, bless that for us. Lord, when we come before you, and we, we eat the bread, and we drink the blood, we change the way that we approach this. This is the removal of all the walls. You know, John 17, and this has been such an emphasis, I think, for all of us for many years. I pray that you be one. And maybe he was praying that Jews and Gentiles would be one. It actually says that they're going to make you a one man. One thing. And that's going to be my ecclesia, my church. So when we come here, I don't want to even, I want to take a step up. Can we believe to take a step up yes. and out? Yes. 
and step up on another level and out of the limitations that we have in our mind. That God is not just asking me to be one with this group of people here. This is not his church. We are part of his church. But he is asking me to be one with all of his people all around the world. And we're going to come. Do you dream of that on one day standing before the Lord? And all of us coming together and worshiping him. And it's not going to be the way we think all this. It's going to be like a, I don't know, it's hard to imagine. But it's almost, to me, it's like a, a party, a feast of spirits. With all the different expressions of worship, different languages, different dances. Don't you think that God gave gifts to each nation? And those gifts are from God. And they're all going to come into the kingdom as, as offering to the Lord. You know, so like, I can only imagine like Brazilian dance music and then Hawaiian and then, you know, all different nations. And, and the Lord said, see, I created all of this for my worship. And we think, no, we're going to have to be all the same and conform and put everybody in a blender. And, and God is like, no, 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 it's going to be so amazing. Because it's going to be so many different sounds and colors and expressions and freedom. So, Lord, we ask you, when we take this communion this morning, that we do not continue to be conformed to this age, but we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. Lord, I need renewing of my mind. I need to get my mind out of the ruts of what I have known and have experienced, and I, I need to understand what you are willing to do and where you're willing to take us. So we bless that this morning. Amen.